Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with an eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Are your money back? Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is a production of Dirty Mode Media. We are back on Speed Street, post 500 Speed Street, and the first edition of Speed Street under the Dirty Mo Media umbrella, the Dirty Mo family. Joey Molinero, Connor Daly, producer Ben here with us. And we are so freaking excited to be here. I know the announcement came out earlier this week. It came out way earlier this week when old Dale Jr., our boss, now uh, decided he wanted to tweet when Connor was doing so well in the 500. And we thank him for that. But we are here. This is Speed Street. Bringing IndyCar to Dirty Mo Media. Again, I'm Joey Molinero, and I got my buddy Connor Daly with me. How you doing, my man? Well, it's a very exciting announcement for sure. I mean, I think uh, I when I saw Dale put it on the internet, uh, one of the first tweets that I saw when I got out of the race car um, was that one. And I said, well, I didn't I, – I, did I miss something? I Was I supposed to tweet out this before the race or what was, uh, what was happening? So, you know, good for Dale for, uh, you know, getting – getting the news out there. Um, but, uh, it's very cool. I mean, I, I think this is a, a great opportunity for us, uh, obviously a new, uh, a lot, a lot of a new audience. I've you know already received a lot of tweets from people, um, you know, learning about kind of what we're, what we've been talking about IndyCar. Um, but I mean, also, you know, if you're, if you're just now listening to this, this is your first episode. I mean, we, we cover everything. We love, we love motorsport in general. Joey himself is a, a newer motorsport fan, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to drive everything from a Formula One car to a NASCAR truck, uh, you know, so I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I just try to we try to paint good pictures here. And, uh, and there's a lot of pictures to paint after the Indy 500. Um, there was a lot that went on the Charlotte Cup race. It seemed like it was seven hours long. I, I text Chase Briscoe after the race and asked if he was racing for eight hours. And he said he believes it was six, which was a lot. So, uh, yeah, there, there was a ton that happened over the weekend. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're, we're kind of going to get to it all, but also make sure that, uh, you know, we get you deeper than the surface level. We're going to go deeper than who finished fifth and sixth. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a nice ride. We appreciate being here. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, it's uh, really, it's insane. The fact that not even a year ago, uh, me and Connor were texting about this, went to Old Livery, downtown Indianapolis, tried to put a plan together, started recording shows, didn't really know what it was or what it was even called. Uh, but this was always the goal, was to have an opportunity like this to, to, to get noticed by a place like Dirty Mo Media. And so I know we can't be any more thrilled than we are to be here. We'll come out with a show about every week, uh, about an hour long. Uh, like Connor said, talking motorsports, talking all things, talking what's going on in the culture, having fun. 
Um, and yeah, just being a good outlet for you to, to enjoy some racing talk and, and, and have some laughs, hopefully. So while you're here, be sure to subscribe. I saw we were going up. Hey, round of applause. We were going up the top 30 chart already in sports. Mike sent that over. So that's fantastic. Thanks to you. Um, and we're trying to get that going up. We always talk about for the newcomers. We say, look, we're trying to grow Speed Street into a neighborhood, into a cul-de-sac. And you guys are doing that right now. So Speed Street continues to grow and will continue to grow if you guys subscribe. Leave us a rating, a review, some some ideas of things you want us to talk about. And uh, be sure to follow us on social at Speed Street Pod, both on Twitter and on Instagram. So with that being said, let's get into it, brother. The Indy 500, the greatest spectacle in racing, goes down this past weekend. You have uh, what I think was a really good day. What did you think of your day finishing sixth there? Yeah, man. I mean, honestly... It was, um, we, we knew it was going to be tough. Obviously, we started 18th. Uh, we started a little bit worse last year, but uh, ended up towards the front um, through a lucky pit cycle. And, and we definitely, you know, there was, there was luck involved for sure with our, uh, with our, tra- with our transfer to the front. Um, but we also passed a few cars. So, you know, that's, that's what matters as well. We passed cars when we needed to. Every restart, uh, we were making our way forward. Uh, you know, we rotated to 12 first, then passed uh, Grosjean and, and a couple other guys, and then got another good yellow and rotated to second. Um, and then once we got to second, you know, it was still only about halfway. Uh, and so there was a lot of race to go. And honestly, just to be able to stay there most of the time with Dixon and Pato Award um, and, and Felix Rosenquist uh, was, was awesome. I mean, we, the team did a great job keeping us there. Uh, we were trying to adjust the car. The cars were really difficult to drive. That's one thing I will say. I think we saw a lot of single car accidents at the Speedway, which we haven't seen in a long time. I, I first remember the single car accidents when um, when we kind of had to go back to the new, uh, well, we, we went away from the Aero Kit era, uh, and, and, it, and it was quite difficult. And the first year of the Aero screen as well, uh, there, were, uh, there were a couple single car accidents uh, because the car balance right now, we have to be right on the limit to, to get the speed out of it. It's, it's a little bit of an entry loose, you know, mid corner tight for anyone who's in the NASCAR scene. But for us, we call it understeer. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of balance issues that we have to fight, um, you know, which is part of our sport. But uh, but yeah, it just it, it just goes to show you. I mean, you had really experienced guys, Renus VK, Jimmy Johnson, Roman Grosjean. Um, Callum Eilat's a rookie, but, uh, you know, all those guys are, are very, very talented drivers, um, and the cars just stepped out on them. So very, very... Why, why were they all turn two? What was up with turn two? I mean, well, Matt Scott and McLaughlin. Yeah, massive tailwind. Yeah, there, were, there was a, a big tailwind down into three, um, which, again, got McLaughlin as well, because the tailwind pushes you into three, um, and it pushes you out of two. So when, when we caught that tailwind, it basically lifts the rear of the car and makes the car loose almost. Um, and that's just kind of what we saw. So Scott McLaughlin as well, he, he, he felt the same thing because in three, you had to lift anticipating, you know, the, the wind there also. So it was a very interesting scene. Um, but our car, you know, we just got better and better slowly, but surely we're working our way forward. Uh, and then we just stayed there. And I think honestly, I, I don't know if we had the overall speed to win. I would say we were a top three car. I, I would say if we, you know, if, if everything cycled through on the last pit stop and, and we, we didn't lose any time, you know, we probably would have finished, I would say, I would say second or third uh, because Pato was fast and the Ganassi cars were ungodly fast. So, you know, it was, it was going to be tough to beat, um, you know, a Ganassi in a straight up fight. Um, but yeah, there, there, was, there was just so much that went on 
there was such an interesting fight between the engine manufacturers as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, to lead the race again, to, uh, you know, to get out front, to work with guys like Scott, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. So I, I, I had a, it was a lot more stressful of a race than last year, even though it might not seem like that, but, um, but yeah, we made it all the way to the end and, and to finish sixth, a little bit upset about it because I wanted to beat Alex Rossi. Uh, and I, I think, uh, I think we could have, but, um, but he drove a great race as well. And how much of that wanting to beat him was, uh, well, I guess you didn't know at the time that he and Sage Karam were the, the two pranksters that got your hot tub. Yeah, we did not know at the time. And it's uh, Alex and I have had a really odd year. We finished right in front of each other in like four races so far this year. And it wasn't always in great positions. Like he was 20th and I was 21st in, in St. Petersburg. And we were, you know, fifth and seventh or something in the G- Indy GP. It was like, we've always been quite like quite close to each other. And now in points, you know, he's 11th and I'm 12th in points. So, you know, we've always found a way to, uh, to end up, you know, near each other. And uh, yeah, I always just want to beat him though, because, you know, he's like a rival. He's like one of my best friends, but I think he's very talented. So you want to beat the guys that you're, you know, you think are very talented. And, um, and yeah, we, we didn't today or yesterday or whenever Sunday, I, I lost so much memory over the last few weeks. I had no idea what day it is. Understandable. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was a, it was a great race, great event. I mean, the energy was high. I know you were there probably uh, housing Miller lights, um, but uh, it seemed like the energy was high. And I mean, what did you think from your, from your standpoint? The energy was, it was great. Um, you could feel, even with the crowd being back in 2021, you definitely could feel that it was full on, full throttle. Everything's a go in 2022, uh, which was fantastic. A um, little bit of a bummer in some ways because, uh, like I said, on the Dale Jr. download, I was standing in the concession stand line for 40 minutes uh, while Connor Daly was leading most of the time. So uh, I didn't get to see too many of those, brother, but um, I was I was, I was was cheering and watching along. Um, it was very emotional. The flyovers were very emotional. Um, I don't know if it's just because I have a son on the way and I'm just thinking about all these different things in my life. But, uh, you know, back home again in Indiana's playing, I'm just – crying like a like a like an old man who's been going to the race for 50 years um man, i was crying too day. i was crying too don't worry i had tears weeping down my face the 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 thunderbirds u.s air force thunderbirds were flying over and it was like the perfect moment of when uh the guy who was singing the national anthem was like land of the free and what I, and i was like just it was the perfect sequence and then of course i was already in the car for back home again in indiana and then the air, then the air force guys fly over again and I could feel it in the car. Like we were strapped in and you could feel the, the thrust in the car. And that was just like, it's just, it's just the greatest event ever. I mean, it's, it's just, it's the most iconic thing I've ever seen. The, the amount of people, I mean, it never gets old. Like every year I feel that way. And I, I always tell people, if you have not been to this race, like it's, it, it's something that is, it's so majestic. It's like, almost like you're in, a whole different world for, for one day, you know, the weather was beautiful. The sun's up. You got incredible fighter planes flying over art, musical artists that are making, you know, absolute magic happen all around the course in turn three on the front straight everywhere. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it just, I, I was glad it was back. I mean, even on my, on my helmet, it said we're back. And so I was, you know, I was just glad to see everyone. Everyone was finally back at the track, having a great time. And a lot was of Aoki. Huh? How was Aoki? Steve Aoki was great. I got to go to the snake pit for 30 minutes. Uh, I, I, this is my pre-race tradition. Um, 
took a golf cart ride with uh, one of the photographers of IndyCar, Chris Owens. And we go over from like 9.50 to 10.20 a.m. And, you know, I have a pre-race strategy meeting at 10.30. And then we have the driver intros around like 11.30. So it fits in quite nicely. And we drove straight over, straight backstage, and walked right up onto the stage with Steve Aoki. And let me tell you, when you're wearing a race suit at the snake pit, somehow they just let you go anywhere. And I really respect that. So I, I just kept, kept going. I had a few friends over there. Uh, the, the people who actually produced the snake pit, Schroeder Productions, Chris Schroeder and Ashley Brown, they're like really incredible people. And I've known them for a long time. And, uh, and they know how special the Indy 500 is. They love the snake pit. And, uh, and so do all the artists. It's, I mean, Steve Aoki even put on Instagram, he's like, this is the craziest 9 a.m. party in the entire world. And he's not wrong. Like it's what, what was going on in the snake pit is truly outstanding. And so we went there. Got up on the stage, danced around a little bit, looked like a clown because I have no uh, rhythm at all in my jumping. Oh, you were dancing? You were grooving? Yeah. Yeah, I got up there. I was pumping my helmet, fist pumping it uh, for about 10 to 15 seconds. I think it was uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was on. And uh, and that was that was what we were ripping to. So it was it was great. That's awesome, man. Yeah, then Steve came back from the snake pit out there with you and he was doing the DJ for the driver introductions. That was phenomenal. One of the funniest things I think I've ever seen was one of this like worldwide known artist, Steve Aoki, on a tiny little like box TV screen stage. That was actually like pretty cool, but it looked like it was going to play like a children's daycare center. Like it was a very small setup. And I was like, and not many people are really paying attention to him. And I got to give it to him. He was selling it. He had his hands up in the air. He was doing all this stuff. And I'm sitting next to J.R. Hildebrand. I was like, is this not the wildest thing you've ever seen? Like we're, we're all, we're walking three by three up onto this stage and we got Steve Aoki just dropping, you know, hits from 2012 and like, you know, bangers only. And it was no lyrics, but just music. It was, it was really, really funny. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I took a selfie with me and Sage Karen were up on the stage and I said, Sage, there's no way we don't just take a selfie here with Steve playing behind us on this tiny little turntable setup and uh, had to snap a few pics and, uh, and Steve was awesome. I, I'm not sure if he really knew what was going on during driver intros, but um, but I respect him for it because I saw him afterwards when we were all running to the to the restroom. And uh, he was like, man, that was that was so cool. I said, you know what? Great to see you, man. I got to go pee. Hey, that's a true pro right there. Steve, he's getting a little boxed up right on. He doesn't know what's going on, but he's selling it hardcore. And uh, we appreciate his efforts. Now, you're up there with Sage. And you mentioned Rossi already, and we're going to go a little bit after the 500 now. And it comes out that Alex Rossi, snake in the grass, snakes in the field with Rossi and Karam, two of your great friends, they're behind the prank. Were you shocked? What was your immediate reaction for them wrecking your hot tub for the month of May? Well, I mean, there was a lot of talk of this hot tub, and then sadly it's now stinking up my garage uh, because – well, the, the bus lot, there's a lot of nice, fancy trees that are behind the motorhomes, and they were raining like tree debris, pollen, or whatever comes off the leaves. And, you know, and, and obviously before that, it was filled with apparently 1.75 million Orbeez, which are, you know, water balls, essentially. And so, yes, I, I didn't know who it was. There's a lot of, a lot of suspects. And realistically, they, they did it correctly because – when I discovered it, you know, Alex and I had been together the night before doing an event. So it was hard to, hard to think it was him. And he also said, 
that they did it at like 7.30 in the morning the next day. And I was like, well, that's the day. It's like daylight. And so it doesn't sound like much thought went into the execution of it. Because if I, let's say I got up early, I, I, I was, I, maybe I had a nice little walk around the bus, would have easily discovered it. But I obviously did not. Um, and yeah, they, um, they did a great job. I wish they would have done it slightly later in the week. It's pretty frustrating that I had to sit there the whole time and not be able to use my hot tub. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I, I had no idea that these, um, these devils wearing onesies, uh, up on the, on the, uh, on the race, race entry way were, uh, you know, had attacked me earlier in the week. So I'm, I'm glad I know now though. I'm, I'm glad I know now I'm glad someone admitted to it because realistically, that's what people were asking me most more than the race, more than anything is like, Oh, did, did you find out who ruined your hot tub? And I was like, well, no, like if, if I knew you all would know. And so thankfully Alex, you know, let the people know right after we got off the stage of the banquet, that was the funniest part actually is like, he could have announced it at the banquet. Like we, we had this big victory banquet on Monday night. I finished sixth. I fi- he finished fifth. So like I got, I get up to speak right before him and it was a big hot tub discussion. They played a video that was like, you know, investigating it. Um, and sure enough, he didn't even mention it in his speech, but he put it on Twitter. The reason why I think he didn't mention it during his speech is because I think alcohol had played its way into his day. And I think Alex had a couple beverages during the day. Maybe he didn't want to mess up the delivery of the speech. And he ordered, he Uber eats $100 worth of Taco Bell to a fancy dinner banquet. Um, so Alex is clearly on a different level. And I respect that he, you know, just let it fly on the internet. And, uh, and I wish he would have said it in real life, but it is what it is. You know what pissed me off, man, is that, so Rossi did a fantastic job of having the alibi covering himself. Like you said, we all were together that night. That was in question at the greatest spectacle in podcasting. And so I talked with him on camera, off camera. No, man, not me. No, I was there. I was with you. Got it. But then I talked to Sage Karam on media day and Sage Karam. I was talking to him about his month. He's like, Oh, I'm staying at Rossi's. I'm not staying in the bus lot. So that would, and you're, at first would think that you would say that would clear him, right? Because he's not around, not in the bus lot. But I should have realized these two together, their ladies are together. They have a four-person masterman plan and a place to house all the Orbeez. I, I was so pissed at myself that I didn't realize it when he said, oh, no, I've been staying at Rossi's. He got, well, they're he hiding, got us. They're hiding in plain sight, right? Like it's, it's, it's the most obvious option, but you're like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that happened. So – you know, kudos to them. And, um, you know, I, I, I know Sage is already watching his back. Um, there are several things we looked up during the month uh, for retribution. And, you know, it turns out you can rent a flock of pigeons, um, which I, you know, I, which, which might come in handy. Uh, it, it's not hard to build a petting zoo either. That Apparently we have folks that, that are able to do that. Uh, obviously we respect animals. We we want to treat them very well, but, um, you know what, these things are all possibilities and you never know what could happen. Uh, you know, there are many ideas that come through my head and there are many ideas that I won't list because uh, we want to keep those in the chamber, but just know that, you know, retribution will come. It will be swift. It will be, uh, you know, potentially aggressive, uh, but we'll see what happens. 
They're, yeah, we might have to enroll Marco because they're Nazareth PA boys. They're out there. They're neighbors. So we might have to see if we can get our own snake in the grass uh, with Marco to be able to help get back uh, because we don't got boots on the ground out there in PA. So I don't know. Just an idea. Um, oh, yeah. I want. I wanted to. I wanted to go back to the race though, and we hadn't started this last year at the time when you were leading the most laps of the 500. But when you pass Scott Dixon, and I know you guys were exchanging back and forth, you know, the lead safe fuel. So you're learning from that experience last year, but when you're in the car and you're leading and, and, and you got a good car and you're setting yourself up, you know, maybe lap 110, 112 or whatever. Is there any time in your head where you're like, I'm, I think I want to win this thing. Like I think I'm gonna be drinking the milk, or 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 is it just too much going on? You're listening to your spotters, you're you're talking over the radio. I think honestly, it's really just I want the race to be over. <laughs> you know, when you're in that position, you're like, why isn't this lap 198? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and that's really I think where patience comes in. It's one thing that Montoya, Juan Pablo Montoya, told me in 2017 after I crashed uh, because I you know I probably tried to make too aggressive of a move early on. And he was like, man, you're really fast, but you just got to be patient. Like, and that's, again, you see, you see Montoya all day long. Probably no one mentioned him once the guy finishes 11th. He started like last and like he, he finishes almost in the top 10 again. And last year he was in the top 10. Um, and, and the way he talks about it is really interesting. It's, it's very much a game of patience. And I feel like that's kind of what I really focused on, you know, from mid race on um, it was just one lap at a time you know, being smooth, focusing on getting to the next pit stop, uh, you know, every now and then, you know, some, some of the sets of tires were vibrating so bad at the end of the stint that I couldn't feel my hands anymore, but it was like, all right, I know they're still there. So they still work. Look at um, them. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so it was, you know, there was a lot of things going on, but we just stayed focused and, and, and the guys stayed focused in the pits too. And, um, you know, it was nobody's fault on the last pit stop either. I guess it was an issue with our, with our right rear wheel gun. And, you know, these things happen. Like it's, it's something that I told the guys, I said, Hey, we had a great day in the pits all, and we had a great day at the Indy GP in the pits. We were one of the fastest teams in the pits at the Indy GP. So, you know, there, there's a lot of great stuff that's been going on with our team recently. And, you know, we, we got set back a few positions, you know, on the, before the last restart and, and on the last, you know, stint or two, uh, just actually the last stint, but we, but we went forward again, you know what I mean? On the last restart, we were able to pass Pagano and, and realistically, if I think I had one more lap, you know, I might've got Rossi as well for the top five. Um, but you also got to realize that sometimes there are just guys that are really fast. And I think that's why we were probably just a top three car. So I, I look back at it. I think I did everything I could have done. Um, I think this race is so hard to win and you do really have to get everything to go right. I mean, I, I spent a whole stint with Erickson behind me, you know what I mean? And the guy wins the race. So it's, it's one of those things where you're like, Oh man, like maybe if we just would have cycled to the front, it would have been okay. Who knows? Um, but, uh, but yeah, there, there was a lot that went on that was exciting. Um, I loved just being there. I, lo I loved having a chance at it. Uh, and, and that's, that's what we do it for. We show up to the biggest race in the world, you know, looking for a shot to win and, uh, and, and we had it, you know, bit Nile was, that was their first Indy 500 as well. Uh, and, and they had an incredible time and, uh, yeah, man, just, just pumped about it all and, and pumped that it was a, it was a good race overall. I think it was, it was tough to pass at times, but I think there was some overtaking. There were some good restarts. 
Um, Santino Ferrucci hit me yet again uh, on one of the restarts, which is, you know, fine. It is what it is. Uh, I, I noticed we did get a question about that later on in our Q&A segment, which I'll give a few. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, just a special feeling two years in a row to, to lead the race and be consistently getting better and, you know, having my best finish there. It, it does feel good. It feels good. Yeah. What a month for Bit Nile. What a month for the, the 20 ride. I mean, P5 at the, at the GP leading up front a bunch during the biggest race in the world and, and then finishing P6. Um, you know, I know those guys got to be, got to be pumped and, and just looking to keep that momentum going, you know, into, into Detroit. Is that, is, is May such a one-off, not one-off, but it's such an event of its own, but the whole month, can that momentum keep riding into June as now we go Detroit road America, bang, bang, bang. Like we're really getting to the heat of it. I, th- I mean, I think so. The month of May this year was the busiest month, I think, of my entire career. Um, and I'm not sure if that was because we were kind of away from that for three years, but there was so much going on. And honestly, it's draining. Like, we wanted to do this show maybe on Tuesday, but I had no voice left. Like, I, I was literally, you know, I- I- I've- it's taken me a whole day, a couple days to recover just to be able to speak. And that's just because we're-, we're constantly, you know, talking about what's going on, doing interviews, doing media. And like, that's great. Like, like it's, it's very important to do that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's wild to have to go racing, you know, right afterwards. I've, I had four people last week or this week ask me, so do you go on vacation now? I was like, no, we, we have, we have another race this weekend and then next weekend. And then I don't even think I have a weekend off until August. So it's, you know, we have five races in July. We're, we're going to get to the end of June very quickly and be right into July um, but that's why we do it. This is, you know, this is the dream is to be racing all the time. You know, we were on the simulator yesterday in Charlotte, uh, even the Indy 500 champ, he posted on a story yesterday. He was on the simulator too. I mean, even the champ, Sim selfie. Here. yeah, even the champ Sim gets selfie, back to yeah. work. So, awesome. um, so yeah, man, it, 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 it's totally different in itself. It's, it's, it's something that I do believe the team thrives on. And I, I do believe we have a great chance to bring this momentum onto the next race for sure, because, you know, I've been on the podium before in Detroit. Uh, love, love the, the, the Detroit event. Uh, Renus was on the podium there last year. So we know we've got a decent car um, and, and I'm excited for it. So we want to carry this. Mo- I mean, I feel great. I, I, I we, we're moved up to the 12th in the championship. You know, we're, we're kind of, um, you know, approaching the top 10 now and we want to just keep, you know, keep hammering these top 10, top five finishes out and, uh, and hopefully, you know, start bringing home some trophies as well. Most definitely, brother. Before we get to Detroit, uh, there was some big, big news that dropped right after uh, the biggest race in the world this week in, in the IndyCar world. And, and I guess it was big news just that it finally happened. I mean, if you followed or if you're in the know, uh, really had any sense of the series of sport, you, you knew this was coming. It was just a matter of when. Uh, but we get the announcement that that young Kyle Kirkwood right now for AJ Foyt Racing is going to be taking over that 27 uh, ride for Andretti Autosport next year, formerly currently the ride of Alexander Rossi. And now that leaves the announcement, the question kind of, of where we're going to see Rossi going in 2023 and beyond. Um, so we'll just, what are your thoughts on, on, on the, the timing of the announcement, uh, Kirkwood to Andretti and then our, our pal Alex, what's next for him? Well, literally before we started recording, I, I looked at my phone and Alex Simon McLaren. So, uh, so now that's, that's, Oh, really? I haven't even seen it. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Hot news right out the gate. 
Um, but yeah, Kyle Kirkwood, I mean, we kind of all knew that was going to happen anyway. Um, and Kyle Kirkwood's obviously a really, really talented young American driver. If you don't know him, definitely follow him. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's going to be doing a lot in the future. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a great position right now to learn, learn all the tracks, get on the schedule. Uh, you know, as a rookie, you want to be able to put a lot of laps under your belt before, uh, before you get a really, really good chance with a top team like Andretti. So I think he's going to be in a great spot. And Alex, obviously going to McLaren, uh, a very interesting move. But uh, McLaren is probably spending the most money of anyone in the sport right now, and they're they're doing a you know a massive, massive collaboration with their Formula One team. They've got a lot of you know a lot of resources to use. Um, so it does seem like you know they would have the ability to you know pay Alex the right money and also you know give him a fresh start. I, I think there's you know a lot of drivers after a while you kind of see them benefit from a fresh start. I think we saw it with Simon Pagano right out the gate too. You, you're, you're thinking, Simon, why would you ever leave Penske? And honestly, he's done quite well, I think, so far with the, you know, with the Meyer Shank guys. And he knows, uh, he knows Mike Shank well. Um, and and for sometimes a fresh start does benefit a driver. And, and I think that's what we're going to see with Alex. I think he is – uh, ready for, for something new. Although, I mean, he was very, very strong with Andretti. He's always going to be strong. Um, but uh, it, it is very interesting. You know, I, I don't remember in my time in IndyCar where driver announcements were happening in June. You know what I mean? So there, there's a lot of excitement about the future. There's a lot more rumors ar- around as well about who else is going to McLaren, who else might not go to McLaren, who's going to go elsewhere. You know, is there going to be openings at Ganassi? There, there's all kinds of rumors right now. Um, you know, my teammate, Renus VK, there's big rumors around him, too. I mean, he's a very, very talented guy, and I'm sure teams are after him. Um, but, you know, I know Ed wants to keep him here with us. So there, there's going to be a lot as we go. And I always remember Mid-Ohio in, uh, in, in, in July – or no, Mid-Ohio in, in – in, well, it is July. That's usually kind of when – things normally start getting talked about, but it, it seems to be earlier than, than normal, which is cool because that means there's a lot of excitement going around with the sport, but very happy for Kyle, very happy for Alex. And, um, you know, news in IndyCar is always good. Yeah. That McLaren facility that they just announced that they're building up on the North side, uh, that looks absolutely insane. Have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, that's what they do though. Right. I, I, I used to go to the McLaren factory when I lived in Europe uh, we did a lot of simulator work in their basement when I was working with the Force India Formula One team. And entering that facility is just one of the coolest things ever. And I mean, I remember when I was when I was going there as a, you know, 18, 19 year old, you know, no cell phones allowed, no pictures. They've become a lot, you know, more more OK with that now. Um, <laughs> but it was fascinating, you know, going from compartment to compartment, the amount of trophies they have there in that McLaren facility in the U.K., um, I have a feeling that they probably want to do something similar here in Indiana, which will be really cool. It's probably going to end up being a tourist site as well. You're going to see people come into town and say, hey, we want to go to the McLaren Visitor Center, <laughs> you know what I mean, and, and check it out. So it, it, it's exciting news because everyone, you know, that, that means IndyCar is growing and, and we need that. We need that to translate to our TV ratings, hopefully at some point. But um, it's, it's definitely an exciting thing for our sport in general. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, as a as a driver, you're sitting uh, in the car. You're in these team meetings, and this announcement's already happened. I mean, it's, so for Alex, for Kyle, for their teams where they currently are, what is that like? Is it awkward? Is it? Uh, you know, what uh, can you describe it? What's what's the feeling like amongst the driver, the team, everything together when you already have knowing, hey, we're not even halfway through the season and, and I'm out next year? You know, that is interesting. I, and I haven't really thought about that before because I've never been in that position. <laughs> but I, I, I know for a fact that, you know, the last couple races, if you only have a one-year deal, the last couple races of your season are very much like a, I need to... I need to prove myself or I need to, um, you know, make sure that this team wants me back or that we, the sponsor wants you back. But when you know your driver is leaving, you know, is there, maybe it's like a, well, we're going to show them you made the wrong decision and maybe they do great. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. You know, I think Alex has been, been with those guys for so long. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I know his engineer, I, I know like the, the, a lot of those guys on his crew, um, they've been close. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know what that is like, but I I, I can tell. Will they follow him to McLaren, or does it vary? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But you never know. A lot. I mean, we saw Roman Grosjean's engineer follow him from Coin to Andretti. So people do do that. There are good relationships that are transferred. Um, but in, in this case, with two powerhouse teams, I don't think Andretti is going to want to let uh, Alex's engineer go. Um, and you know, they'll probably, you know, hopefully they'll pay him respectfully to stay there. So it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think Kyle though, Kyle's in a different spot. I mean, Foyt, Foyt is a, there's a great group of people there and, and I like those guys a lot. I, I actually, after qualifying at Indy, we all went out, I had a nice uh, cold beverage together, me, Kyle and his crew and, uh, and, and they're great people, but, but I think they know they're not at that Andretti level, right? Like it's just kind of one of those things. And so for Kyle, I'm sure those guys are just going to be, you know, wanting to send them off correctly. Right. Like, I think he's been very cool to those guys. He spent a lot of time with them and Kyle. The only thing with Kyle now is there's, there is pressure on him. Right. I think they, they could have announced this a lot earlier. Like everyone thought this was going to be announced in long beach uh, or that was the rumor that I heard. Um, and, and, but I think they kind of delayed that because Kyle wanted to be just looked at like a, a Foyt driver, right? Like he, not like a future Andretti driver, you know, he, he let, let, let Kyle be a Foyt driver, let him learn as a rookie. And then, you know, now it's like, yeah. it's like, all right, he's an Andretti driver. So everyone's going to be looking at him like, well, you know, Kyle's driving for Andretti next year. How's he doing this year? You know what I mean? So I, I, I think he doesn't worry about that. I hope he doesn't because I think he's very, very good. And I told him, I was like, bro, you're going to be very, very talented. You are very talented. Um, but yeah, it, it does pr- pr- produce an interesting dynamic for the team. Man, looking ahead to next year, though, McLaren, if you're looking at Paddle Award, who just signed an extension in May, Alex Rossi going over there, rumors of a third car going. I mean, they were, they've been very strong all year with Pato and with Felix and how Juan Pablo did and at the 500. And then now they're bringing over 
you know, the last American driver to win the 500 with Alex and, and um, you know, a guy who's obviously very successful and talented. And uh, that's, uh, that, 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 that's quite the haul there, man. It's quite a team shaping up in 2023. Yeah. I mean, McLaren's doing it big. You see it in their hospitality units. You see it in their entertainment villages that they set up at every, at every race. <laughs> Literally a village. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. A, yeah. It's a small village that they set up where you can go and hang out and uh, with all your closest um, wealthy friends, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, I mean, I, you know, what's funny is like, I, I, I did drive for that team right before kind of the whole, you know, it, there was, there was a lot of that still, you know, 2019 uh, you know, I was called in to replace Marcus Erickson for one race because he had to be a formula one reserve driver and, uh, and, and it's an impressive group. I actually really like a lot of those guys. There's there, a few of those crew chiefs I've worked with before, um, you know, Taylor Kyle, who's running that team. And there, there's a lot of great people there. And, um, and, and I, and I actually am not surprised at all that they're that fast. You know what I mean? And they're that good. The, the, the pit crews put in an insane amount of work. Uh, they, they do such a good job. And, um, and, and I think they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be the big powerhouse to deal with over the next couple of years, especially, you know, if they move to three full-time cars, um, with three powerhouse drivers, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be big. So it, there's a lot going on in IndyCar and I think it's exciting because when you say you're out there battling against McLaren and, and, and guys that, you know, are, are very, very good drivers and they have high level business partnerships, they do an incredible job with social media content they do an incredible job entertaining people. Um, you know, I think I think that's special. It's special to have them in the paddock. Do you think this addition of Rossi to McLaren, the possible third car to McLaren? Well, they want to do threefold, but just who the driver is. Do you think that that has Penske kind of? Should we add four? Should we just focus on these three and make them as best as we can? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I mean. You know, some of those guys at Penske, I mean, I, you know, Joseph's going to be there forever. I mean, I'm sure Scott's going to be there forever. Will Will still has some time on his deal for sure, and Will's very, very talented. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Penske, Penske right now, especially after the month of May, I mean, I was very surprised by Penske. I'm not going to lie. Like, you expect Penske to come there and be one of the best. And, and they, that was all the big talk. Yeah, and the they struggled. Talk. Yeah, they, they struggled. I mean, I think anyone who – has ever seen the sport you expect Penske to be up front and it was a tough battle for them on Sunday. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be very interesting what the next step steps are for them. We obviously know they're going to rebound strong. They're probably going to win the next five races. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's definitely interesting to see what their next moves might be. It's, it's actually interesting to see what all the team's next moves are. You know, what does Ganassi do? What is, what does Andretti do with, with Kyle? Do they move other people around? You know, they've got Grosjean now as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time in IndyCar, but I think it's a very strong time to be in the sport. And, uh, you know, our goal is to just make sure people are watching this thing. I mean, we gotta, you know, we gotta get people to engage with our sport. We don't have a Netflix show. We don't have, uh, you know, the, the biggest money bag in the woods that we can spend on marketing and stuff like that. So it's kind of up to us to make sure we tell people, Hey, we're racing every weekend, almost. And this weekend we're on the USA network. So that'll be interesting. And we got to make sure people know that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Been on the big NBC, the big bird, all the races so far. This is the first one on USA coming up on Sunday, three 30 at Detroit. Now let's get to Detroit. I feel like a lot of drivers, am I wrong? I feel like I, I, I hear a lot of drivers talk pretty highly about Detroit, or at least that is very physical. What, what's your thoughts on Detroit? What can we expect this weekend? 
Yeah, so Detroit is without a doubt one of the physically most difficult tracks that we've got because it's very, very bumpy. Uh, you know, it's on the Belle Isle Park, uh, just on the, on, the, on the river there between America and Canada. Um, and so we're on the free side. We're on American side, obviously. And, uh, and, and it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a great track. I, I, I've really enjoyed going there in the past. It's got a very interesting mix of high-speed corners and very, very low-speed bumpy corners. Um, we've seen some wild internet laps there in the past, you know, I, I'll never forget Juan Pablo Montoya there in like 2001 or two, you know, setting a pole lap and also slapping the outside wall in the last corner, um, but still finishing the lap strong. So there, there's a lot of really cool uh, moments that have happened at this track. Um, but yeah, it, it's super bumpy. You know, last year we had Felix Rosenquist have a throttle stick and he nearly ended up in the sea. Like it was huge, massive accident there. So there's, um, you know, a lot that happens there, but it's a great crowd as well. We love, we love going up to Detroit. It's Chevy's home race. Um, and, and that means that, you know, Chevy wants us to win. So we, we gotta, we gotta get up there and, and perform for those guys, but it, it's, it's an interesting race. If you, if you, let's say you watch your first IndyCar race and that was the Indy 500. Well, let's follow it up with Detroit because it's definitely the, you know, that's our bread and butter, almost the, the Indy 500. Right. But Detroit is that's where most of our races are street and road courses. So uh, you can get a great idea for what we've got going on there. And, and it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be an entertaining race. There's going to be some beating and banging. There's going to be some wheel to wheel contact. There's going to be some people, you know, making fuel strategies work, but somehow we're all going to get there at the end and probably put on a great show. Yeah. We're coming full circle too, for, for the current Indy 500 champ and Marcus Erickson. I mean, gets his first IndyCar victory last year in Detroit, and then we see him go literally Marcus Erickson in Nashville a couple months later, get his second win, and then yeah. now here we come, calendar year later, and he's got a Indy 500 uh, champ, uh, title under his belt, which is, um, I mean, what a run. What a run for the for the Swedish uh, driver there, man. It's been uh, incredible. Yeah, so we'll see if he can repeat in Detroit this weekend. Um, we do have a fill-in driver this weekend, uh, Santino Ferrucci. Going to be back out there on the track, filling in for Callum Eilat. He hit the wall in turn two like a bunch of other people did on Sunday at IMS and uh, broke his wrist. So he's not going to be able to participate. And he got old Ferrucci uh, making his way to Detroit. Any, um, any thoughts on a fill-in driver again? I mean, this is the second time he's done it this year. Well, I think – my my first thought is that it was it was going to be Ryan Hunter Ray in that seat um, because Ryan Hunter Ray has been working a lot with um, you know with Callum there and the Yunkos team on trying to help those guys, um, but apparently you know Ryan is also a Ganassi you know reserve driver so I don't know if there was any you know hey Ryan sorry we're not going to let you do that or 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 what happened there, um, but you know. I, I, I told Santino over the weekend at my after party, I said, look, man, I don't like you at all, but he was there again. Yeah. He was there again. He showed up to the after party, but wow. I, but I, but I, you know what I said, but I think you're a talented driver. And so like, that's, you know, my, my, my beef with Santino is really how he interacts with, with people on track. And I think it's quite dangerous at times, but I do think he's a very talented driver. Like there's, there's what was his response. Well, he said, I respect that. And that's all. So I was like, all right. And, you know, there were several moments where some of his boys and some of my boys, I thought we were going to get in a fist fight in the bathroom. But, you know, it is what it is. We uh, in the end, we, we settled uh, we settled things. Um, but, yeah, 
it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't change how I feel, but I do think he's a talented driver and yeah, he's going to be, he's probably going to be the right guy to put in that seat. Uh, you know, he raced there last year with, with, uh, with Ray Hall. Um, and you know, it's a shame for, for Callum because I like Callum a lot. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's a very, very talented driver. He's had a lot, a lot of good stuff go on so far, uh, you know, with that team. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, we'll just, it'll be very curious. I'll be very curious to see, see how that goes. And I, I don't know who else would have been, you know, someone you put in, but, um, but yeah, it'll be very, very interesting. I'm sorry that I didn't make it to your after party on Sunday. <laughs> had a, you know, I've got a pregnant wife at home and she, you know, I, I, I just couldn't, the, 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 the South Meridian envy scene was not a good scene for me to be at um, with a pregnant lady waiting for me. So I had to, totally I had to camp fine. it in this year. Yeah. That's all but right. I, I knew that there was plenty of community to go around there. So I wasn't that missed, but I wanted to let you know that I, I would have been there with y'all, but uh, you know, life, life gets in the way, but do you think going back to Santino, do you yep. think that he should have a full-time ride? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, technically if you were to, you know, just go off of results based. Yeah. I think there's uh, you know, he's, I think he's, he's done a, and this is hard for me to talk about and say, because I don't really like talking about him, but yeah, I mean, it's, he's, he's done a great job in the races that he's, he's been in. I think he's got very lucky in a lot of scenarios, but that's part of what we do. So uh, that's part of the sport. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Just a what question happens. I had to ask, my man. Just a question yeah. I had to ask. No, I mean we'll we'll have to see what happens as uh, you know as as things continue. But he shows up every time and seems to be uh, you know finishing and uh, and finishing well. So um, you know, I, again, talented driver. <laughs> Leave it at that. Talented driver. Got it. Um, okay, we talked about Detroit. We talked about the 500 weekend. Detroit's coming up. 500s in the books. Um, you want to get to some audience questions? Sure. Yeah, we can, we can talk about, uh, we can also talk about how, uh, after parties for the Indy 500 are great. And I would like to mention a quick, uh, thank you to Scott McLaughlin and Kyle Kirkwood for, uh, for coming out into the streets of Indianapolis on, uh, on Sunday night after the race. I think we had a great time. And, uh, just so everyone knows, yes, we do have a great time after IndyCar races, especially the Indy 500, because we put our lives on the line all month long. And then guess what? We had a great time with all of our friends, brought about 40 people there to a uh, nightclub in Indianapolis called Envy. And um, just know that we celebrated appropriately and we commiserated. Well, Scott, Scott was commiserating his day. <laughs> and it was a hilarious time, Joey. Wish you could have been there. I danced around with a, a man dressed as a transformer uh, in the floor of a nightclub. And uh, it was, you know, very, very funny. So that that's, that covers well, our uh, Indy 500 after party segment. I, I do, I, I do want to. Now that you say it, so let me fill you in. Um, I met Dan Kirkpatrick on Sunday night after the race. Wow. Um, very. Did you cool. get invited to Marco Andretti's dinner and I didn't? No. Okay. No, no I got I got stiffed by Marco. Oh. Um, but <laughs> so I'm taking my boy Marcus Bailey, uh, former Purdue star, plays for the Cincinnati Bengals now. I'm taking him. Uh, downtown to Bottleworks to meet up with Ben Polizzi. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take you that's there. Where the and I'm gonna... after party was. That's where the, that's where the rich people after party was. Right. I know. I, so 
That's it. That's what I'm getting to. I had no idea. So I'm taking Marcus there to drop him off to me, Ben Polizzi. Then I'm like, hey, I'm going back to the RV, getting, you know, laying in bed with my wife and taking care of her. So I drop Marcus off. Then across the street, I see young Colton Herta and his young lady. So I'm like, I just shot him a text because, I don't know, they looked like it was just, they were sitting on the curb. It was like they needed a ride or something. So I was just like, hey, man, saw you sitting across there. Need anything? Let me know. He gives me a call about two seconds later. He's like, bro, where are you? Where are you? And I said, oh, well, I'm right here. So I go and I talk with him and Riley. And then I'm like, well, let's go have a beer. So I'm like, yeah, just thinking one beer. Go get a beer with him and Riley at Bottleworks. Then all of a sudden he's like, hey, Scott Dixon's after party is across the street. You want to come? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm pretty underdressed. I don't really, you know, what, what's going on? This is a crazy rich person, Scott Dixon party. He's like, bro, no, just come. Just come. I'm like, okay. So I go in there and all of a sudden on a night that I was just supposed to drop off Marcus Bailey and then go back to the uh, RV, I find myself, you know, talking with Danica Patrick and James Hinchcliffe for 10 minutes. And then I'm like, all right, this is, I really need to, I really need to get out of here. But that was it. It was not a late night. I just, it was one of those weird coincidence type things that happened. I was back home by like 11 or 1130. For those, for those new listeners as well, the, 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 the way the IndyCar community works is that I set up an after party and everyone knows about it and they refuse to go because they think it's going to be some sort of child's play facility or like we're going to be, I don't know, in the, like in, in the streets uh, doing warfare. Like, I don't know what they think it is, but we just like to go and buy bottles and have a nice time. Whereas they set up some party at a nice restaurant where they all sit around and, 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 and basically just, I don't know, cheers some nice little glasses with each other and they're done by 1130. Whereas, I don't know, I always tell them, I said, hey, you guys don't even have to pay for anything. I'll pay for things for you guys because I just like to celebrate with my community. Turns out I'm just like judged as like the, oh, he's just the guy who's having, you know, a poor people party. Whereas no. we had we had Dead Mouse at our party. We had Josh Richards at our party. We had all these incredible people that were there. Other drivers that, that actually care about the streets and the and the folks of Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, Santino Ferrucci was there. Shit. Santino Ferrucci was there. There was almost a fist fight. I mean, that's the type of energy we need after the Indy 500. I'm not going to go around and sit on a nice chair with my friends and talk about, you know, the stock market that's going to open tomorrow. Like, that's – I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go stock out – Stock market's closed on Memorial Day, bro. Exactly. That's why we're not talking <laughs> about it. We're, we're going straight to the streets. So, well, you know, to be that's fit, how I feel about it. Hold on. Uh, you, you're right to feel that way. And I told you, if I didn't have a pregnant wife, I would have been at Envy tearing down the town with you to celebrate a nice weekend, a great month, just like I was last year. Okay? Yes. My situation my situation was coincidental. And you're right. And, and to be fair to the people that were at the Scott Dixon thing, all those people are like 46 years old. <laughs> Scott Dixon, Jimmy Johnson, their wives, Tony Kanan was there. Dario Franchitti was there. Marco's basically 40 already. Those are all old. You don't want those people at your party anyways. Yes, I do. My last text to Jimmy Johnson was at <laughs> 2 in the morning. I said, I thought we were friends. 2.23 in the morning, I text Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I actually know. I text him at 12.04 a.m. I said, Jim, I have spent $1,000 on liquor in 30 minutes. There's a wild amount of activities going on here. Then 2.23 a.m., I thought we were friends. <laughs> that was it. So you know what? I thought, I, you know, I, it's fine. They can do whatever they want to do. Danica did ask me before we left the track. She said, hey, great job. What are we doing tonight? I said, I got the after party. Come on. And I just kept driving on my golf cart. So the people knew. The people knew. But it I, is did, 
I did get introduced to Danica by Jimmy Hinchcliffe. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, look, this is going to sound bad no matter how I say it. But I just want you to know that when I was in like sixth grade, you were the biggest deal ever at our school. And, <laughs> and James goes, yeah, I should have said that, bud. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough look, Joey. That's a tough but look. No, but she was great. She understood. I was like, look, no, you're phenomenal. But like, it just is what it is. Like when I was like 12, you were in like your first 500 and it was like the biggest thing in the world. So that's new racing analyst, Joey Molinaro here. It's just, you know, getting, getting the fanboy out and then now we're good. That's right. Exactly. You only get to meet Danica Patrick probably once at Scott Dixon's after party. So, (laughs) all right, that is, that's it. That's the, that's the after party discussion. Uh, Next year I will have a son and I will come but that is, uh, that's next year. Uh, all right, let's get to some listener questions here. Uh, we'll start on Instagram. Uh, okay. We'll start with this one. This is from Anthony Abernathy 43. First time listener. Welcome Anthony. Thanks for being here. Uh, how exactly did you guys, you and Connor become friends? So I'll start. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so Connor grew up like loosely racing and knowing my now brother-in-law and my step or my, my father-in-law um, and my wife, because they're a racing family, Connor grew up racing and like the karting world and everything. So, and then obviously just like Connor is an indie guy, I'm an indie guy. Um, and through those two things coming together. And then once like, I wasn't just like, a putz who worked at the local radio station and I was actually maybe considered like cool by people. Then it was like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. We both like to have a good time. We're both indie boys. Um, and we got to stick together. That was always kind of my thing. And so that's just kind of how it grew from there. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I knew, uh, you know, you also obviously worked for Pat McAfee as well who's a friend of ours. Uh, and I obviously interacted with him as well. So yeah, there was kind of a lot of, a lot of, uh, interacting angles and uh, yep. always knew knew of you right and we always knew of each other and so yeah it was it was good to good to get together here uh from samuel dave thoughts on local blackout of the 500 in indianapolis oh it's a big topic that's a big topic right now because our ratings were down like you know several hundred thousand if not a million people uh from the year yeah. before when it when it was not blacked out um and 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 here's here's my thought on it I don't think you would have less people show up if it was not blacked out. I I, I truly believe that the people that are coming to the Indy 500 are coming to the Indy 500. It doesn't matter if they're not going to be like, well, I'm actually not going to go to this life-changing experience because I can watch it on my couch. It's like, no, but what you do give the opportunity to is, is get basically your biggest audience to boost your TV numbers. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just, for me, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't understand the business model. Uh, I'd have to ask my stepdad on that, but um, I, I, it's definitely a shame because I think right now in an, in, in an area where we really need help, which is, which is TV ratings, you know, the race almost sold out and I just, I wish they would have been like, you know what guys All right. We all can still watch it because think of how many bars in Indianapolis would have to have the race on literally every single one. Think of how many restaurants, how many, you know, people on the North side who are just staying up North or on the green South side of Indianapolis. Like 
there, there's such a large community. Like, yes, we have 400,000 people in that area of Speedway for the entire day, but also there's still other people. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't like the blackout. Um, I, I would love to test that theory of like, hey, let's sell as many tickets as possible. And then maybe the last minute be like, all right, well, we're going to still let you watch it on TV because I, I just don't know if we have the marketing power right now to basically get all the other people that we need to watch the race. Um, and, and also our fans in Indiana are pretty loyal and the people of Indiana are very loyal to their, you know, to their sport. And that's a huge market for us. So that, that's kind of my opinion on it. I'm sure there's a lot more details to it that I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. I, so I look at it like, okay, with the Indianapolis Colts, right? There's eight, at least eight home games to where you can work to your schedule, save up make that experience happen. You have eight opportunities in a four month span to do that. You get one Indianapolis 500 a year, one. So like you said, the people who are coming are going to go because if you're, if you're looking at like an NFL experience like that, sure. You want, you want to go to one, right? Okay, cool. And then watch it from home. Yeah. Much easier traffic weekend, whatever, blah, blah, blah. With the Indy 500, you, like you said, once you go there, it, it just it the event on TV is you know NBC does a great job. Lee Diffie, Hinch, Townsend Bell, love those guys. Kevin Smith or Kevin Lee, Marty Snyder, <laughs> all those guys, uh, Danica, all do a great job. But it just once you've been there in a full environment, experience like it was on Sunday, no TV experience will ever match that full day experience on Memorial Day weekend that you get at the Indianapolis 500. So what I'm saying is you get that, that, that eight or nine chances with the NFL, right? Where you can configure it with your schedule. You don't get that with the Indianapolis 500. It's one or done. You got to be there. Rain, sleet, snow, shine, delayed, whatever. Um, so yeah, man, I just, I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. It is, it is interesting to look at the TV ratings. I don't, I just don't really understand. I guess it's just cause I'm too far on the other side. Um, right. Where it's like, how are people not watching this? How are people not engaged with this? How are people not yeah. following along with this? Um, well, we, and just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And, and we look at obviously that there's, you know, it, the Indy 500 was obviously the most watched race over the weekend, right. Uh, above NASCAR, above formula one. Um, but also like, where are, where are the million people that watch the formula one race? Where are the 2 million people that watch like the NASCAR race too? Why are we not all watching those? You know what I mean? Or like, I understand the formula one is still very new and it was very early in the morning on Sunday. Um, but like there's, there's still, there's gotta be an intersecting point where I think fans can appreciate both. Like the, the thing that I was actually very interested in right after the Indy 500 is I was like, Oh, the Coke 600 starting. Like I, I can't wait to watch that. You know what I mean? I mean, it went on for about 14 hours, but like I, I, I had it on at the house when I was getting ready to go to dinner. We had it on at the bar while we were having dinner. And then we had it on after that at the next bar. You know what I mean? So like it, it, it's something that I, I, I don't know why we can't have more crossover fan bases because, you know, a rising tide raises all ships as they say or whatever, but like what what makes a fan not want to watch all of them? You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm still very curious to see because I like motorsport. Obviously, I participate in it. And I've been on all three sides. I've been on the Formula One side. I've driven a Formula One car. 
I've, I've raced in the NASCAR Xfinity series, raced in the truck series, raced in the IndyCar series. Like I like it all. And like, I feel like there's different things you can appreciate out of all of them. So I still think there's something missing and I don't know what it is, but hopefully we can kind of get more of those, you know, the 2 million people that watched the Coke 600, why wasn't it, you know, 2 million people that also wanted to tune into the Indy 500? Not sure. Yeah. And it was, there was a no, I saw like Nathan Brown and Indy star saying that just collectively TV viewership was down on Sunday from last year. So maybe it was just Memorial day weekend, whether people were out, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting mystery, but you're talking about the Coca-Cola 600 Hunter J Carper says, congrats on the dirty mode deal. Uh, and Connor to you P six and uh, the Indy 500. And then you want to know, would you ever have interest in running the double Indy 500 <laughs> Coca-Cola 600? I think I need to prove myself a little bit more on what I do first. I need to win the Indy 500 first or win some, you know, win some IndyCar championships or whatever it is before anyone's going to take me seriously in that. But, um, but we're definitely thinking about doing a double, uh, you know, the IndyCar race at the road race in, in August here and the NASCAR, the double weekend there is definitely interesting. You know, the IndyCar race is on Saturday, the cup race is on Sunday at the Indy GP circuit. Um, that there is, there has been some interest there. I'm definitely trying to look into that um, because no one's done that before. And I'm obviously a road racer at heart. So definitely having an interest in that. You know, I, I know several of the cup teams uh, have talked to them before. I had a great chat with Justin Marks the other day. Uh, he was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Justin Marks is, I have, I have just, Mark, Justin Marks is one of the smartest guys I think in the sport right now. Um, and he's got this, that project 91 deal that they just announced, which we didn't, we didn't actually talk about much yet, but they got Kimi Raikkonen driving in the cup series, uh, at, at some point. And that's awesome. Like smartest move. I think they could make, if you're going to run an extra car, you know, he's got a strong two car team. Why not maybe dabble in a third and call it something cool and get one of the most famous racing drivers of all time to go there. Um, massive kudos to them. So there's, there's a lot of ideas in, uh, you know, buzzing around the head. Nice. That would be awesome. That's coming up. Yeah. Just, um, uh, a little over two months back in, uh, the Indianapolis motor speedway. Looking forward to that. Uh, from Tyler underscore Snyder, what is y'all's favorite pizza in Indy? Oh, favorite pizza in Indy is uh King Doe. King Doe is on the East side of town. Best pizza I think I've ever had in my life. And I lived in Italy. So like, I, I love, it's incredible. Still have yet to have King Doe. Got to make that oh. happen this summer. Um, is Goodfellas a chain? Oh, I don't know, but it's very delicious. I, I guess that's always my go-to, and I'm just like, you know what? I need not not one of your traditional like Domino's, Donato's, uh, Papa John's. Like, go go get me Goodfellas. You know, that's that's what I rip as well. I mean, Basbo's obviously is very good. Mass Ave, enjoy that as well. You ever been there? Oh yeah, yeah, I have. Long time ago, but it's very delicious. Uh, from WD Crater, what happened on the last pit stop? Seemed like the right rear tire took some time to get on. Yeah, so I think they had an issue with the gun, uh, the wheel gun. And, um, you know, the Indy 500 is tough because that's the that's the race where we make the most pit stops of any race. So, you know, sometimes things happen. You know, it wasn't, wasn't anyone's fault. Sometimes these things um, happen. And, uh, you know, small technical issue with the gun and uh, or the gun or the wheel nut, something like that. And uh, yeah, just just held us up a little bit, but uh, you know, overall, the guys, the guy, the guys actually did a great job to identify it and get it, you know, get the tire on, uh, you know, as quick as they did. 
couple more here from Melissa going, what was Joey's favorite part or memory of the month of May this year? Um, she's, I posted on you Facebook been, you on Instagram. Been, you might've been busier than me <laughs> at times. Uh, man, it was, I mean, just one of the best months of my life. Just a total dream unreal. Uh, you know, to Yellow Line Productions, to Evan Cox, to Quack Daddy Donuts, to Mount Comfort RV. So many people helped make uh, my month and my family's month and my friend's month uh, so memorable and, and just incredible. Um, I really can't nail one down. I mean, it was all just just a dream to be able to have guys come by the bus and chat and, uh, uh, you know, be able to, to have interesting conversations with people like Pato Award and, and Simon Pagino and, and Alexander Rossi and uh, just, just so incredible, and and I, and I can't wait until next year. So I mean, I can't. Just the whole month itself was was just the best. I'm already already sad it was over for sure. Um, last one. Uh, let's do two more here from Scott Scheimer. Whose fault was the contact between Connor and Ferrucci, and why was it Santino's? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been trying to post an onboard video for the last couple of days on Instagram, and for some reason, Instagram is not is not allowing me to do so, but, uh, I have the onboard of, of, of me passing Santino and I'm not really sure why, uh, he hit me, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was one of those things that we, I think we were both trying to stay in the draft and I was never going to lift. Uh, and I was, you know, going to be passed in by the corner, but it just looks like he kind of just drove into the side of me. And, and it was very, very similar to him in practice with David Malukas. Like he kind of just drove into the side of David Malukas and cut his tire. So I don't, I don't really know what the point of that was again, like why make contact if you don't need it, especially like that early in the race. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh it was a, it was a surprising thing for me because I turned in flat and I was like, well, I hope he didn't cut my tire. Like, like David Malukas's incident on carb day. Um, so yeah, just a, an, an, an odd deal. Not sure why that was necessary, but again, I, I told him, I said, he's a, he's a talented driver. I just wish he wasn't on the verge of putting people in the wall so many times. <laughs> so you talked to him about it at the after party or after No, no I, I, I tried to say as few words as possible. <laughs> gotcha. Well, and when, in that moment when you're in the car, how, I mean, how difficult is it for you to not, I guess it's not that difficult because you want to win the race, not get involved with stupid shit like that. But I mean, it, you know, are you pissed? Are you like one to, you know, get back at him? What's going through your head? Well, at the time, you're just kind of worried about your car, right? You, the car has to be perfect to, uh, you know, to battle at the front and you're just worried it, it was there any damage. And uh, thankfully there wasn't. So um, it, it's, it's tough when you make contact, but these indie cars are tough. I will, I will give them that. Um, and we, you know, there is a little bit of wheel to wheel rubbing that goes on and uh, thankfully we can get through it. All right, last one here from Michael underscore Bunge. What's your first irresponsible purchase if $3.1 million lands in your bank account overnight like Marcus Erickson? <laughs> oh, man, big purse boost from uh, Roger Pesky for the Indy 5. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 3.1 million, I don't know. I mean, the funny thing about that is people people usually don't know that there's uh, leader circle money taken out of that. So it ends up being probably – split in half uh team usually takes half depending on who's negotiating contracts so it's really not that much um it probably ends up being you know less than a million and a half but still that's a lot and uh i, I would i don't know what i would irresponsibly purchase but probably a supercar of some kind i, I would love to buy a uh 
you know, we're Chevy guys, but uh, sign me up for a Lamborghini. I want to, I want to buy one of those suckers, uh, sell my inflatable hot tub and, uh, and get a, you know, <laughs> get maybe a real hot tub. Dude, the hot tub's a collector's item now. Like you yeah. can, I, I guarantee you can put that on the market and, and some indie card, uh, you know, just, just wild fan, passionate fan would be like, yeah, I'll put that in my collection. I what story that would be. My idea was to just sell it for charity. Like I'm going to be like, look, it's in a box right now. It still needs to be cleaned, but it does work. I will sell it to whoever we want and I will donate that money to uh, any diabetes charity out there. So if you think that's a good idea, let me know. Man, people love that. Um, I would say my first irresponsible, but actually now I think about it, I don't even think it would be that irresponsible. I think it'd be very responsible, but it would just be kind of like a big purchase. I'd go, I'd go straight to Mount Comfort RV after this month and I'd just buy a, a big old honking fancy bus uh, for me and my family so we could go wherever we want with it. Pittsburgh, IndyCar races, anything like that. I would, uh, yeah, I'd lay an old Millie down at Mount Comfort RV and get me one of those fancy buses that that Connor and, and Colton Herta and all those guys have. Because what, what a way to live, man. That thing's incredible. Love that. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to do uh, – let's wrap up here with the – for those who don't know, for those who are new, still with us, thank you. We love it. We do a segment. Uh, we talked about it. Connor talked about it on the Dale Jr. Download. We've been doing it for 30 episodes now. The Ricky Treadway Random Indy 500 Driver of the Week. It goes full year round, even though the month of May is over. It don't matter. We do it each and every week to wrap up the show. Last week, we had Spider Web from the 1954 <laughs> Indy 500. So you just don't know what you're going to find. Connor, do we have one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I will, I will let people know, we didn't get much into, into Monaco, Formula One. We didn't get much into the Coke 600. But, you know, the Indy 500, is uh, that's a big one. And there was a lot to talk about there. Um, I, I, I know that there was a lot that went on with Formula One in Monaco. You know, we had Sergio Perez win, which was awesome. Uh, and we had the Coke 600, which was, as we talked about, very long race. But it seemed to be a pretty entertaining race from what I saw. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we do cover a lot more motorsport, but for now we, we, we were dedicated to uh, just getting the people a new episode, talking about the Indy 500, all the details on it. And uh, yes, we do have the Ricky Treadway random Indy 500 driver of the week. We went even deeper. We went, we went very, very, very old. And we went to the 1940 international 500, which was the Indy 500, but looks like it was called something slightly different on the internet. But I found a man that deserves some respect, it looks like, because I don't, I've never heard this name before. There's a lot of people in this race that I could, could be a, um, could be a, a prime, a prime random Indy 500 driver of the week. Uh, but we're going to go with Tommy Hennerschitz. Uh, Tommy Hennerschitz finished 32nd in the race. And I'll, I'll read you up on, uh, he was born Thomas Paul Hennerschitz on a farm near Ole, Pennsylvania. He was a farmer on the weekdays and raced on the weekends. Married, yeah. married Betty Selman in 1935. Um, Schitz began racing in 1930 with a 1914 Model T at Reading Fairgrounds. That car cost him $25. <laughs> hey now, big spender. Man, inner shits was a spender. Huh? He earned $75 for the victory. That's big money. Big money. Good ROI. Yeah, great <laughs> ROI. Um, so, yeah, intra- he, he was nicknamed the Flying Dutchman, the Flying Farmer, and Ole Dirt Farmer. 
So I respect that. Henner Schitz was inducted into the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame in 1975. Hey, good for you, you, Henner Schitz. Swift Schitz, that's what I'd call him. It's not Schnitz. It literally is Henner Schitz with a Z. Yep. S-H-I-T-Z. Yep. That's that's our guy, Tommy Henner Schnitz, for this week. He finished 32nd in the 19... 40 Indy 500 looks like he had a crash. Yeah. I wonder if he like if FCC regulations would allow if they called him if like Lee Diffie was calling him like Swift shits. Like I wonder if they would allow him <laughs> to say that since it's S H I T Z and it's the end of his last name. That yeah, I don't know. How does that work with the we'd have to ask NBC on that. We'd have to ask if his name was cleared for use. <laughs> And here comes Swift Shits. <laughs> That's his nickname. That's awesome, man. All right. Good deal. Ricky Treadway, random Indy 500 driver of the week. That's it. This has been our first show under the Dirty Mo uh, media family, under their umbrella. We're so psyched to be here. Thanks to Dale Jr. and Mike Davis for bringing us aboard. Thanks for producer Ben uh, for taking care of us, as always. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be once a week. We'll be talking all things motorsport. Like we said, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, the YouTube version should be up. I don't know if it'll be up. I haven't decided. I don't know. We haven't talked about that yet. If it'll be up on my channel or Dirty Mo or whatever it is, but be sure to follow us at Speed Street Pod on Instagram, on Twitter. We're continuing to grow that. Tell a friend, be a friend, tell a friend that uh, IndyCar is racing this weekend in Detroit. That's right. There's another race besides the Indy 500, and it's coming up this weekend on USA National TV. 3.30 3.30 on Sunday, full weekend of events. Connor's going to be trying to carry that momentum, continuing to carry that momentum from the month of May into the rest of the season. Uh, we're in full swing now, baby, so be sure to uh, hang here with us. Let's keep growing this into a neighborhood. Connor, you got anything else? Only that uh, we appreciate this relationship now. It's very, very exciting. Um, a lot of incredible words from the Dale Jr. Download podcast the other day, and also, honestly, got to listen to that interview with Jeremy Mayfield. I, that was one of the most fascinating interviews I think I've listened to so far. I got like four different text messages from a lot of our friends in the IndyCar world who were listening to that as well. So uh, appreciate Dale and, and Mike and, um, and everyone over there. So uh, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming up here and, and a lot to talk about when it comes to motorsport. And um, yeah, we appreciate it. And obviously a lot of after-party chatter as well. <laughs> That's what's important there, baby. All right, until next week, we'll talk to you on Speed Street. This bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.